Welcome to this next portion of our transportation panel. Um, it's a little bit of a continuation of the last one. We're going to be talking about how airlines are ensuring safe air travel for passengers and their service animals during the pandemic. And I'll be joined by my co-facilitator, Sarah Calhoun. I'd like to take just a, I'm Sheila Styron, by the way, chair of the transportation committee. I don't know if I was supposed to jump in before Clark or not, but since I did, I'm introducing myself. We are fortunate today to have four representatives from airlines that we fly a lot. And I'm going to introduce them all and then hand it over to Sarah. Um, because our last panel was in some ways related to what we'll be discussing um, in this session, we may refer a little bit back to discussion items from the last session. So I'm very happy to um, welcome Ray Prentice, who's consumer advocate with Alaska Airlines. We also have with us Todd Green, who is manager of um, customer accessibility at American Airlines. We've got Dana Folsom, who is manager of disability programs at Delta Airlines, and John Kern, who I think finally got here, is manager of international planning and regulatory affairs and accessibility programs with United. So welcome panelists, and Sarah, why don't you Go ahead and add a few remarks if you like and ask the first question. We hope to leave plenty of time for audience participation because I know there's a lot of interest in this area. Sarah, should we wait a little longer? Sarah, I hope that you are okay. Sarah is the um, president of Guide Dogs. She's muted. She's muted, so she just needs to unmute. Uh, right. Sarah is the president of Guide Dog Users Incorporated, and we're happy to have her join us today. If she- I'm here. There she is. Welcome, yes. Sarah. They finally unmuted me. So thank you, everybody. And thank you, Sheila. And yes, welcome to our panelists. And uh, as Sheila mentioned, I'm Sarah Calhoun. I live in Missouri, and I am uh, president of Guide Dog Users Incorporated. I'm also treasurer of Missouri Guide Dog Users. So um, from here, I guess we will start with our uh, first question. Um, and the first question is to all of the panelists, and then we will um, call you by name uh, to answer the question is, uh, how have your uh, airline employees been trained to assist blind and visually impaired people, uh, including sighted guide during the pandemic. Let's see, Dana Folsom with Delta, you can go first. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. So thank you very much for inviting us. Um, well, I just want to mention that from the beginning, obviously, like all of us, this is a new world that we're in right now. But from the very beginning, um, as soon as the pandemic started to reach its head in the United States around mid-March, we continued our collaboration with our advisory board, consulting them from the very beginning. They um, have prepared us in many ways, but as we learn more, they prepare us along the way for, um, for the pandemic than what we've been facing. Um, and one thing that we've been um, advised on is the fact that those that need sighted assistance in a pandemic, this is totally unique in this space. 
So what we've done based upon the guidance that we've seen received from our advisory board is we've worked with our frontline teams as well as our vendors to make sure that whatever assistance that we're providing our customers with is always focused on um, safety and cleanliness. This means that our employees, including our vendors, they have to comply with the strict Delta standard that we have for cleaning requirements to meet the, the needs of all of our customers and our employees during a pandemic. This includes the proper use of um, PPE or you know personal protective equipment and mask as necessary, and also focusing on cleaning not only the equipment that you use if you're assisting a customer, uh, maybe it's your wheelchairs or your aisle chairs or counter spaces, touch points, but also making sure that our, our vendors and our agents are regularly focusing on their own self-cleaning. We want every customer to feel confident that our employees are really taking care of those needs, even things that you may not be aware of, but focusing on that. But also making sure that um, our customers understand that the individual assisting them and any touch points that they're guiding them through are sanitized and clean to provide that best sort of a layered approach to help protecting them from the virus. Um, this includes whether you're navigating or receiving navigation assistance throughout the airport or even on board the aircraft. We want every customer to fill that level of confidence. Well, thank you, Dana. And uh, Todd Green uh, with uh, American. Yeah, thanks, Sarah, and thanks for having me on today. It's great to great to be able to speak to to folks, and I'd be very interested to see what questions we have at the end um, from the audience. <laughs> uh, but generally speaking, you know, I'll say that maintaining a safe environment in COVID has been incredibly difficult, to say the least, for the airline industry. I mean, you're talking about very close proximities at, at most touch points, um, but I think as an airline industry, we've done a very good job. At, at continuing to make safety a very, very high priority, especially uh, while adapting to COVID. Um, generally speaking at American, we have pushed a ton of training and communication. I think uh, in the last year, I've seen more training pushed uh, than I've seen for the last 15 years <laughs> that I've been in the airline industry. And that's just how committed we are to making sure that at the end of the day, our frontline employees can, can handle um, these scenarios in the most effective way possible. So again, you know, like Delta and, and the other carriers, we have a very layered approach. Uh, we have a no exception policy to the mask wearing uh, for our team members, just because as you can imagine, especially with, with sighted assistance and, and wheelchair pushing, um, there's, there's no distancing available. <laughs> uh, so the mask protection is, is the number one way that we can ensure that we're uh, reducing the spread, um, especially amongst team members and customers at the airport. Um, we're working with our vendors to make sure it's a one-to-one -one ratio. Um, we're not having vendors push two wheelchairs at the same time. Um, we want to make sure that we're maintaining as much separation as po as possible um, during that journey. And of course, just like we'll, we'll mention, um, sanitation is huge. Um, anytime any one of our aisle chairs are used or one of our wheelchairs are used, uh, we're making sure that those are being sanitized 100%, as well as all the other additional additional touch points uh, throughout the airport. Cleanliness is is huge. I you know I boarded one of our flights two weeks ago. I have never seen it so clean before, and I, and I think that's we can all attest to the the nature of the cleanliness on board the aircraft now. But you know we constantly have our fingers on the pulse. I will say for the airline, this has been a learning curve. Uh, I think for everybody in trying to adapt to the the standards that we need to meet to make sure that everybody feels safe traveling and, and restoring that confidence. So so I, f I feel good about where we're at and, and where we're going. Well, thank you, thank you. 
Uh, next would be uh, John uh, Kern with uh, United Airlines. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you again for having me. It's uh, a pleasure to be here. This is kind of my first uh, time being able to speak to this uh, group. So really excited to be here. Um, but in terms of the question, um, as you kind of heard, Dana and Todd already mentioned, um, United's guidelines are very similar. Um, we've worked very closely with the Cleveland Clinic and with Clorox to develop some very strict um, cleaning procedures, both in the airport, um, but also behaviors that we expect our agents and our, our business partners that uh, work with us uh, that they need to follow as well. So uh, first and foremost, the same thing with the mask policy um, that's required for all of our customer service agents, all of our business partners, and all of our customers as well. Um, also, uh, regularly, you know, cleaning your hands, using hand sanitizer at different spots, which has become a lot more prevalent in airport locations. Um, but as Todd mentioned too, we're using a lot of the, the same methodology at United, um, specifically with um, training that's been designed for our frontline agents to reiterate the facts of what is required for them. Um, but it's also reiterated on a regular basis with um, briefings that we have on a daily basis with our frontline employees, um, regular newsletters that we're communicating internally with our groups to, to share any of that um, information that we're seeing uh, it, that we need to follow in terms of creating a clean environment. And then lastly, we've also um, begun actually having uh, electrostatic sprayers and things like that, which um, aerosolize different cleaning agents inside the, the terminal, in addition to aircraft, which um, helps disperse that and eliminate any opportunities for uh, viruses to, to live on surfaces and things like that. So we've really, I, I think, gone as far and above and beyond as we can with creating that safe and, and um, clean environment for not only um, our agents and our business partners, but obviously all of you and our customers. So thank you for that question. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, and uh, Mr. Uh, Ray Prentice with Alaska Air. Hi, yeah, Ray Prentice from Alaska Airlines. And uh, much like my counterparts, um, we focused on not only focusing on providing a safe travel experience for the customers, but also uh, sharing uh, what we're being what we're doing to give customers the confidence that they can travel safely. Um, I can speak on behalf of Alaska, but I think my counterparts as well. We're trying to make sure that the information is provided on our websites and in our contact centers about the travel experience. So when all of you are planning a trip, that hopefully you won't have any surprises and the information is available to you can, as you can start your journey. Um, I, little things like our disability advisory board. Well, I would say they sound little, but actually they're big would be, you know, when we started laying out social distancing placards and placing them on the floor, our disability board said, you know, well, how if you're um, blind or have low vision, would you know that those placards are there? So we really needed to communicate. That's just one example with our frontline employees to say, you know, ask, listen, and learn. And if you have somebody who needs assistance and they've indicated that they are trying to figure out this new world out in the airport, um, don't assume that everybody is really familiar with all of these things that we put in place to allow people to be socially distant. Um, little tips and tricks about just assisting somebody with service animals in a way so that that individual um, feeling comfortable to come out into the environment, into the airport and onto the So those are just a couple of extra things that I know Alaska is doing. Um, we've done, uh, like Todd mentioned, a number of bulletins, like bulletins are coming out left and right, like I've never seen before. Um, but we've been actually getting pretty good about getting information compiling and getting out to our front line, And they know they need to check on this estimation almost on a daily. So um, our mission is to make sure that the disability community 
who we respect and value, and we want you to buy tickets and fly on every one of us, that you're comfortable doing that and that you have confidence that you're gonna, uh, it's gonna be safe. Uh, but additionally, um, you know, if you have any questions or concerns, come to one of our staff members. Um, always, if you feel free to go to a complaint resolution official if something doesn't feel right. We wanna be there for you and we want you to come back and start flying again regularly. Thank you. I guess we'll go on to the next question. Ray, you sort of led into it by uh, talking about making information available to everyone. And we'd like to switch the focus now to how your company is ensuring that information is accessible to the flyers, the passengers with service animals during the pandemic. And we have obviously some particular concerns and uh, one in particular was, was brought up during our last presentation. There have already been reports of individuals having difficulty accessing the new forms. And access is not about being able to tell they're there, it's about being able to use them. And um, the attorney for Department of Transportation just told us all at the last session that, well, they put them up there and they were expecting the airlines to make sure that these forms could be filled out. Um, this is a, a serious concern for those of us who fly with guide dogs. And so I do want to switch the focus of, of this question to be particularly, well, mostly about the accessibility of these forms. Uh, we would, of course, like to be, if we need to fill out these forms, because, you know, we're flying with guide dogs who we've been told we're not the cause of these changes, but now we do need to fill out these forms. We, we feel that we deserve to have these forms presented in a way that we can fill them out independently. So, um, I guess I would like uh, everyone to address, if I went to your website right now, could I fill out one of these forms? And I think I'll, um, and I will say that this is a problem. Um, I won't say any of the airlines names, but with with at least one of you who is on the call today, but let's um, let's start with, with Todd. Do you think, has American done all it can to make sure we can fill out these forms and, and are you communicating everything? How are you communicating everything that we need to know during the pandemic flying as people with disabilities? And so let me address the form. I'll, I'll speak candidly. Um, there is a bit of an issue with our form that's that's come up. Um, we actually worked with my blind spot to create the one that's uh, currently available on AA.com, but there are some issues with the signature field. Um, so we're working through that immediately um, to get that uh, updated and, and put back on the website because you need a form that's accessible, especially now that we're requiring this. So uh, no more excuses other than we're working very diligently to get this, um, to get this created for everybody. Uh, I never knew how difficult it was to, to make a form um, fully accessible. It's been a bit of a uh, learning curve amongst everything else going on. So. Needless to say, we're, we're working on that um, and should have something uh, fully accessible by, by the middle of this week for sure. Um, so happy to address that. We appreciate your transparency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been an uphill battle with that form, but I want to make sure that everybody can use okay. it. So uh, we'll, we'll have that. We'll have that. We'll have that finished by the middle of this week. And um, uh, 
Oh, go ahead. You're not. Finished. Oh, yeah. And as far as just communication is concerned, especially to the accessible community, um, you know, one thing I'll say is that in this uh, environment, we've had to learn to be very nimble with with information that's coming very quickly and often overnight. And if you can imagine, uh, you know, a policy gets changed on a Saturday and, and communicating that out to 100,000 plus team members and then uh, getting it out to customers has been has been you know, at first was very difficult, but I think we've done a very good job um, adapting to, to getting that information out to all of our customers. So customers, team members, and vendors, because as you know, if there's a gap in any one of those, um, there will be a disruption in the travel experience. So getting all of our, our vendor partners and team members and customers on, on one page has been, has been definitely the challenge, but uh, we're, we've, we've done a lot to kind of to move into, you know, steady state now with, with information getting out as quickly as possible. Uh, at AA, you know, we have a special assistance coordination desk uh, available on uh, seven days a week. Um, we encourage everybody to use those individuals because they are the experts in, in anything related to accessibility and, and can manage any component of your travel uh, and also stay very abreast of all the information um, that, that's coming often very quickly. So uh, that information is also available at AA.com where you can contact them directly. I, I encourage everybody to use them. They're, they're a great resource and, and dedicated specifically to uh, serving customers with accessible needs. Uh, AA.com, another great single source of information. Um, we have a UX team here at American that's specifically uh, tasked to make sure that the information that we get up on AA.com, especially with all the COVID requirements and country restrictions and you name it, um, mask requirements is is accessible to anybody who who visits our website. So again, if anybody's having any trouble with that um, outside of our uh, the DOT form, please please let me know because we 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 look to resolve that very quickly. Um, and of course, communicating to our frontline team members and providing them a ton of information so that when you do interact with anybody from our gate agents to our uh, our check-in agents to our vendors, we're all speaking from the same playbook. Um, and providing the same information to you. So we, we've made a lot of efforts in that area. Still, again, like I mentioned before, a learning curve, um, but we are trying to make sure we're all, we're all speaking from a singular source of truth, um, no matter what uh, channel you decide to communicate with us on. Thanks, Todd. Sounds like you're working hard. Yeah. And now, how about Delta Dana? Dana Folsom from Delta. Hi, everyone. So one of the things I will say is that Delta has been working really hard on these DOT forms and we have our forms published and we've done our very best by working with our advisory board on disability to make sure that they are accessible through screen readers. But like any good thing that we do, this is a work in progress. So we work through that we're constantly getting feedback and as feedback comes in, we work to implement that and maybe refine the form or maybe refine those fields like what Todd mentioned, the signature field. There's, we've learned that there's like a little trick in the Adobe software that says, if you have anything that says signature, it's gonna automatically prompt you to have a signature field. Well, what would be easier? Well, the feedback that we got is to flip that over to make it a text field, make it easier for someone with a screen reader to fill that out. So we take that feedback, we work with our IT team and we see how we can refine it. Maybe we're meeting the WCAG requirements that the DOT mentioned, but how do we go beyond that to excel and to exceed those parameters? So that's something that we, we constantly are looking at and reviewing to see how we can refine it. And right now, I think Todd mentioned this well, we are in communication overload right now. How do we get information out? I know 
all everyone, customers, employees, we're all getting so much information. How do we know what's the most current? So we work to have the right strategy to ensure that any communication that we have, whether it's published on our website, um, that it's accessible, that it's meaningful, and that it's not just a bunch of noise is what it can be. But one thing that I want to highlight is that I know Todd, I know Ray, I know John, because we all work together on accessibility issues, whether it comes to communication and strategies. Obviously, I want everyone to fly Delta all the time. But in reality, when it comes to accessibility, this isn't a competitive thing. This is a fundamental right. People should have the ability to travel and to be able to travel without barriers. So we work together to look for ways that we can remove those barriers, not only um, in our own businesses, but also amongst each other. How can we make it easier for customers to, to be welcome back, to, to fly on us? We want everyone, I want you to fly everywhere. Like what Ray was talking about earlier, come on back. We want you with us. So um, there's so much work to be done when it comes to communication. We make it meaningful, but also making it accessible. Thank you, Dana. Um, Mr. Prentice with Alaska. Hi. Um, so I thought I would share, um, you know, when the rule came out, I think we had about 30 days to implement. It kind of hit right around December when holidays were coming up. It was pretty challenging for a big change like this. Um, so I think if you hear us talking about that, we're working really hard to get these adjusted and fixed. We are working very hard. And um, and then as customers have used our website, giving us feedback, I think we're continually working to tweak and adjust this. Um, I believe at Alaska Airlines now, based on the feedback and the changes we've made it, the form, uh, uh, to, um, the form is accessible, it's fillable. And we have heard that we have made the adjustments necessary to make it work for you. Um, and if it's not, we wanna hear about that. So this would be if you're booking 48 hours in advance, and I think all the websites are pretty similar. Let's say you go and you're going to shop and buy a ticket. So now you've picked a flight and you're getting into uh, building out your reservations record. You're gonna find an icon or some indicator to say special services. And all of us have that kind of a, a similar process. So just to educate the group here, if you don't fly a lot, that's where during the booking path, you can click, I'm, I need a special service. And then you start to get down to, I'm traveling with a service animal. That's where you're gonna find um, correct me if I'm wrong, everybody, like the carriers, but you're going to find an opportunity to complete that form during the booking path. Um, we would love to have you do it as early as possible um, so that it gives us time to kind of work with you and make sure the form's complete. And let's say it's 48 hours prior to travel. You know, most of us are asking that you do that. Um, so that's the first step. Now let's say you've got emergency travel, you need to go visit a relative and it's less than 48, days, uh, 48 hours in advance. That's to where at Alaska anyway, the other option is to download the DOT uh, form, which is a printable form, a PDF, and to complete that and take that out to the airport. And then we have that copy available out at the airport as well to complete. So those are the two ways that you can do it. I believe um, that Alaska and our form is, is accessible now. And we've partnered with, uh, with a disability organization to uh, present the form and have you complete it. Um, the other way that you can go and you can add this form is let's say you ticketed months ago and then you want to go and you already have a ticket. All of us have ways that you can go in and manage your reservation. So that's the other opportunity is to go in and manage your reservation and say, now I want to complete the form. And then the final way, at least at Alaska, I think the other carriers may have this too, is on our accessible services page. You can click traveling with the service animal and the form's available there. So it's available three different locations through the, through the booking 
website path. So anyway, that's kind of where we're at. I thought I'd just share a little education on the working on, you know, if you're going to travel, what you would need to do to access the form. Thanks, Ray. And I believe John Kern, we still have you to answer this question from United. Yes, you do. And I just want to thank, you know, Dana and Ray for, and Todd for the information you shared, because this was definitely a, a challenge for, I think, all of our respective businesses when the information was coming, you know, just before the holiday period. So we were actually trying to find ways to, to make the, the DOT forms as accessible as we possibly could in a short period of time, realizing that, you know, our normal service is putting people on aircraft and flying them safely, not necessarily, you know, designing IT work to get, uh, you know, PDF forms to, to be accessible. So this is definitely a learning experience for, I think, all of us. And, you know, kind of sharing that information back and forth, we were trying to utilize, you know, the, the experience of not only the industry, but also some of these other disability groups that we work and partner very closely with to, to give us that feedback. And certainly welcome that from this group and from the flying public in general to help us understand how we can improve our business. But we really did, you know, three different things um, over over the last, you know, number of years uh, to, to make these things a little bit easier. Uh, the first is that, that CAG accessible format uh, for both our united.com and our mobile app, just like I think everybody else's um, websites are as well. So that, that allows all of our um, online information to be accessible. And then uh, we actually partnered uh, in the interim period here while we are requiring the, the forms um, for anything on, that's booked outside of the, the 48 hours um, that the we partnered with uh, the accessible Assistance Dogs International uh, to work to get our DOT forms actually accessible. Uh, so we think that those forms are actually accessible. Those are on united.com today. Um, and I, I think there's still a little bit of room for improvement. I think the signature piece um, is the same challenge for us as, as well as what Dana had mentioned. Um, so we're still continuously improving that, but in the future, um, we're actually um, looking to improve that that flow through um, united.com so that it can actually be done in HTML. And what that means is when you go on to, you know, book your tickets or anything like that, uh, whether you're managing a reservation as Ray had alluded to or booking your first reservation, um, you can actually enter the information directly into the website. And the feedback that we've received from our uh, accessibility transportation board uh, that we partner with is that having it available through our website makes it incredibly simple for screen readers to actually input that information as opposed to trying to use the Adobe PDF format. So we're looking at potentially um, either building that uh, internally or potentially having another group um, help us with um, taking those forms in. Um, so we're exploring that, um, but stay tuned. There'll be more to come in the next uh, few weeks in the next month or so. Um, but those are the things that we've done to really make the information as accessible from beginning to end uh, through the journey and especially with the, the new DOT forms as well. That's great. It sounds very good to go check it out. Um, I'm going to, um, looking at the, the last two questions we have here and, and was hoping that we would have time for questions. And Sarah, I hope you'll forgive me. I may ask you to no skip, problem, Sheila. Go, skip go to right the fourth ahead. question, maybe. Um, sure. Our next question was, how are the airlines implementing the rules? And I think that we've been talking about that all along. So we do have another question here that is a little bit uh, different that I 
think our audience would be very interested in hearing your answers on. And it is, what measures will your company be using to, uh, to assess the effectiveness of the DOT's new rules? Um, do you have systems in place that you're, you're going to be tracking or how, how are you going to know if this work, if this is working? Um, will you be knowing, keeping track of how many people are having difficulty with the forms or other aspects of, of the new rules? So, um, I guess, Oh, Sarah, go ahead and call on people. I feel bad that I took your question away. Oh, no problem. <laughs> I just like with, uh, the, with the representatives that we have today, I, I can just imagine the chaos <laughs> and the uh, like the communication overload that was mentioned with this new rules being released in December on top of the pandemic. And then we've got the vaccine on the horizon. So I'm sure it's been quite a roller coaster ride, but we all appreciate your due diligence and ensuring that we all have a safe flight and uh, I hopefully we will be in the air very soon <laughs> so um let's see for our first um how about John Kern we will with United Airlines re responding to Sheila's uh question Come. yeah so I, I think Number one, that's a great question um, because it is um, it, it, it is tricky. There's a lot of different aspects to it. And so we're looking at it through a couple of different lenses. Uh, first and foremost is, you know, beginning to track our data. How many passengers are actually booking and, and adding these uh, SSRs to their reservations to help us understand exactly what the volume is. Um, so we've been doing that on a regular basis and we've been doing some analysis on um, the, the change from emotional support animal and, and trying to see is that um, creating more service animal requests and things like that um, as we you know, see those um, passengers potentially moving to the, the psychiatric uh, version. So we're doing some analysis on what we're looking at in terms of future bookings, current bookings, that type of stuff uh, to really help us assess you know, what is the volume of travel that's out there. And then secondly, uh, we are um, always investigating any incidents that happen on board. And so have those events happen, you know, we ask all kinds of questions of the, the person that was involved, uh, passengers on board or in the area, our agents, that type of thing. And that really helps us understand what some of the root causes were of in a particular incident. You know, was it a miscommunication? Was it something else? And so those types of incidents also help us understand, you know, where, where we have opportunity to improve communication or sharing additional information um, with folks so that everybody understands what the the expected processes are once you get to the airport um, so we do both of those um, today we're going to continue to use that information to um, guide our decision making as we go forward um, and then we also um, use that information to help us identify future opportunities for internal communications and um, additional training that may be designed as well. And so a lot of that information, we basically digest that down and we talk about what the issues are, um, not necessarily what the specific events are, with our Accessible um, Travel Advisory Board. And so that really helps us understand where, you know, some of these issues are arising and how we can actually utilize the experiences of those customers that are in the disability community to help us improve our current training and our current communication practices as well. Well, Thank you. Um, let's see, next we'll, how about uh, Ray Prentice with Alaska, Eric? Hi, um, 
Along the same lines that uh, John mentioned, we will be looking for, I would call kind of like basic metrics, like what's the shift between pets and service animals and emotional support animals and watching the relationship there. Um, we will continue, you know, the, a, a lot of the changes for this rule was to ensure that people are traveling with the legit service animals and that the animals are behaving on our flights because of the incidents we've seen in years past, including uh, people with service animals having their animals attacked and sometimes having to be retired. So when we train our employees at Alaska Airlines, we wanna say that the service animal community, they, they have the right and they should be able to fly and not worry about um, being stigmatized when they fly by airline employees thinking that it's not a legitimate animal. And second of all, that the animals and the travelers are safe. So we want to track, um, and we're starting to see just a little bit, which is some a few red flags going off for me in terms of breeders basically completing forms and saying that they're service animals in some of these online paper mills that produce documentation. We're starting to see emails from them encouraging their clients to just complete the form and they don't have to pay anymore for a doctor's letter. That's concerning to us. And I think uh, the airlines, we're gonna do our best to see if we can see if that's um, a blip or if that's a trend that we should be um, partnering with our regulators with Alex and LaVon and um, everybody at DOT in terms of what we're seeing. We want you to be comfortable to fly, uh, to have a good experience. And we're trying to make this, this change have as minimal impact on you as possible because the people on this, on this call today are not our problem. You have very well-trained animals. When you fly, it's not a problem, but we wanna make sure that you're, you're, you're able to fly safely with your animal as well. Well, thank you, Ray. Uh, next, we'll uh, about Dana Folsom with uh, Delta Airlines. I couldn't agree more with John and Ray on this. Data is so important for us. So we rely a lot on data, whether it's coming from our customers, we get feedback from our customers as to how things are going, but also our frontline teams and our flight attendant groups. Um, one thing that I thought that, I think Ray touched on this well, as well as John, as carriers, and I know at Delta, we're convinced that a fraudulent service dog makes it difficult for the legitimate dogs to do their work. And that's so important for us as carriers. I know we're all very passionate about it. So we work hard also in supporting our frontline teams on how they can identify and how we can address those fraudulent or fake service animals so we can protect the rights and protect the, the responsibilities of those legitimate service dogs, such as guide dogs. So we've been partnering with organizations like Guiding Eyes for the Blind to give us good feedback. What are some great tools that we can use to educate our frontline teams on how we can identify these dogs, not once they're on board, but before they even get on board. How do we take that data that we get? How do we make it meaningful? Go through these scenarios that we're discovering where trends like what rate we're seeing an, an increase in breeders and we're seeing an increase in animals that really aren't fit for public access. How do we take that? And how do we work to resolve those issues and stop them? So um, there's a lot of work that we're all working on together to see how we can also like to raise point work with the DOT on addressing these, these top concerns. Thank you, Dana. And uh, Mr. Todd Green with uh, American Airlines. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, one of the biggest reasons for this change, and we're just so happy with the direction the DOT went on it, is to obviously, from a safety perspective, 
uh, ensuring the safety of our crew members and our team members. So one of the things that I know um, we're tracking here is things that are related to the safety um, of our employees and our um, customers flying with us. So making sure that we're not seeing as many OJIs, on-the-job injuries uh, with individuals due to untrained animals, um, you know, incident reporting. We, we used to see tons of incident reports around dogs lunging at, at other customers or creating disruption mm -hmm. in, in the cabin. So different things around incident reporting as well from a metric perspective, uh, we're definitely looking at. And kind of what was already talked about is the experience component. Uh, so making sure that that we're we're making sure that the experience is great for everybody who has a legitimate service animal. So looking at our policies and procedures and and tracking information that's coming from uh, specifically from our end, it's our special assistance coordinators. They're the ones who actually uh, approve um, and speak to most people related to service animals. And so we get a lot of information from them on you know things that that are problematic and uh, for for legitimate users and. You know, we're working on ways to enhance that process, um, and, and especially the information coming from the airport. So, you know, we get a lot of complaints about the whole 48-hour notice period. Um, we need our team members to know that they they need to make reasonable accommodation uh, while they're at the airport. So that's something we're we're aggressively working on correcting. Um, and also, this is a new process for everybody. Uh, this is a this is a very new process for for legitimate service animal owners, like like folks on the call. So our team members need to be empathetic to that um, and make sure that they're working with you to, to help facilitate a, an easy transition to this new procedure that we have. So the, the experience component is, is just as big as the safety component and making sure that we're uh, accurately tracking and, and ensuring that we're, we're successful in both fronts for, for all of us. Hey, this is Ray. I would just add one thing I want to ask of everybody on the call. Um, you know, the form being completed and approved is for per trip. Uh, but we do see some people who maybe gone off to Hawaii, they've been vacationing for been over there for six months, and now they're purchasing a, a separate, separate ticket to come back. Anything we can do to get the word out. So that's why I'm so happy about these calls that we can help with, with the traveling population of servicers to know about the forms, to know to work with the carriers, um, the websites, or just call them and ask how I can get this complete. If possible, give us a little advance notice so we can work with you. So um, we can kind of get this done before the day of trip. And if you do have an emergency trip, we'll take care of you out at the gate. Uh, but um, I just love the fact that you're partnering in terms of helping get the word out so that you can help us because you know the rule came out. Um, it's not been out that long and we want everybody to be familiar with it, what's, what's required. Yeah, Ray, and just to add to that, this is Dana with Delta. Um, I think one of the advantages and the forms that the DOT has provided is that you can use the same form, whether it's United, whether it's Alaska, or whether it's American, Southwest, whichever, because they're DOT provided forms. You don't have to worry about the content changing or do I have the latest form? I'm flying on Delta this week and I flew you know, United last week. It's the exact same form. So that could, I think that's a win for the disability community as well, so. Uh, I, I believe we've answered all, everyone has responded to that question and uh, Dana, what you just said, um, I, will, I will bring up the first question and then hopefully we will have a little time to do uh, some audience questions. 
yes, it is the same form, but it's appearing differently on the websites and we have to get it to the airlines. And it appears that everyone's website looks a little differently and the form is, is appearing you know, not to be exactly the same or does not function the same for those of us who have to do this with screen readers. So um, I guess as a person who has to do this, who hasn't yet but will, um, uniformity would be nice, but I must say that at this point in time, it doesn't exist because of all of the complications. And I know that people have had difficulty with the forms, you know, at Delta and a couple others, and we're not there yet. So uh, I, I hope that today will encourage all of you to go back to your various companies and redouble your efforts because this isn't an easy change for us and it isn't convenient so far. Um, do we have time to take a few questions from the audience? Hey, Sheila, know. to answer one question though, um, the information is all the same and maybe that's a different way to look at it. The form has information about you, who the handler is, handler information, there's the animal health information, which I bet everybody on this call knows their vaccination records and they, and they know who their vet is. Um, and then the next is the animal behavior piece of it, which is attesting their animals trained. Um, I doubt anybody in this call is an absolutely confident that their and animal is trained. I, 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 so, I'm going to interrupt you and just say that yes of course that's true everyone knows their animal and they know they have access to when their rabies shot was um, provided even if but it, it's the difficulty of getting that information onto the form and getting it submitted in an appropriate fashion and being able to do that independently that's the the point that i'm making um totally understand totally so, understand so i i am uh, I didn't hear anybody on ACB radio or one of our our Zoom czars. I like that, Zoom czar. Uh, can we take some questions? Do we have time for questions? Well, you have about, it's, it's four minutes before the hour. I really don't know what your time frame is. I'm sorry. Um, okay, maybe. We do have hands up. Go ahead and take two questions. I don't, right. I think. Ray Campbell, you should be able to unmute. All right. Uh, good afternoon. Um, this is Ray Campbell speaking. As a matter of full disclosure, I do work for one of the airlines on this call. I won't say which one as a senior accessibility analyst and I'm certified as a certified professional web accessibility. The DOT forms as they came from DOT were not and I believe still are not accessible to be independently filled out, as Sheila so eloquently stated. They, you can read them, but if you can't use them, they're not accessible. So thank you, Sheila. Um, did, did your companies engage in any discussion with DOT to make these forms fully accessible and so that you could just plop them onto your websites? And if you did, what reasons did DOT give for not wanting to do more work to make these forms fully accessible. Thank you. I'm going to answer first. Ray, were you on the last session where uh, an individual from the DOT said that that wasn't their job, that they said if we could see them up on their website, they had done everything they were supposed to do? 
I did not hear. I was not there, Sheila, uh, or I may didn't uh, hear, don't remember that. So and that that may not have been very eloquently stated, but I don't believe that if any of the airlines representatives want to respond to that. But that is what the DOT said in the last call. And I believe I the DOT add, actually. Oh, go ahead, Ray. Yeah, I would just add this: if if there are problems making these forms accessible so that the traveling public with service animals can't get incomplete, you know. My view is we're going to get that addressed so that you can do this. You should be able to complete these forms and um, use screen readers and provide. You guys shouldn't have to do it, though, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, a DOT said that it is on the airlines. So we do have some work to do here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can we can we take one more question, maybe? And then I'd love to thank everyone. Oh, come on, computer. Carrie, you should be able to mute. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for this great call. I will make this quick and short. Um, I'm a traveler and newly blind. And I just want to say to all the airlines companies that are here, um, I learned about this new resource tool that we have. It's called IRA. It's not investment retirement agent accounts. Um, It's actually a service that I have found to be free at a lot of airports, and that is something that maybe you can make sure is free um, because they can help us fill out forms. Um, Another thing is, is um, thank you for all you guys are doing, and I know we've had a lot of opportunity of improvement to help us continue our independence and travel. So I just wanted to share um, that might be just a quick, simple email you guys can send out to all your flight agents about IRA. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, For anyone who doesn't know on the call, IRA is a service that is sometimes free and which also blind people pay for, which utilizes trained volunteers over the telephone to provide information. And you can use Team Builder and other technological wizardry to uh, accomplish things that people who can't see need to get done. And I want to just thank um, ACB Radio, everyone who planned this great opportunity to get together. Ray Pranis from Alaska Airlines and Todd Green from American, John Kern from United, and who am I leaving out? I did leave out somebody. Dana. I skipped over Delta Dana. Sorry. Thanks a lot, Dana Folsom from Dana Folsom. I looked at my list out of order. Dana Folsom from Delta and to my co-host, 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 whose toes I didn't step on too badly, Sarah. Not Kelly at all. From <laughs> Guide Dog Users Incorporated. Thanks to everyone, and um, take a this quick has been break. A wonderful. Join us for the um, uh, automotive accessible yeah. vehicles. Yeah, autonomous vehicles. Is autonomous. Autonomous <laughs> yes. vehicles is coming up next. Thank you in, so in, much. In a few minutes. Thanks, everybody.